I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with the Sonic Computer Soup Kitchen. It's Gav, and you join us. It's a bit of an impromptu stroke emergency pod as we react to the news that Mike Dodds has taken interim head coach charge at Sunland because we've shuffled Michael Beale out the door. There hasn't been any indication of whether it was a sacking or whether he's walked away or whether it was by mutual consent, but the club seem very focused on telling us that Mike Dodds has taken charge. So that's the way I'm heading into this anyways. And joining me <laughs> to uh, chat all about it is Chris, who I'm sure has loads to say about Mike Dodds tonight. Yeah, well, yeah, just follow the club's... Uh example and let's not talk about the fellow who's left eh and let's just talk about <laughs> what's happening next let's just pretend the last kind of couple, you know three months didn't happen or whatever however long it's been it's, it's felt like about yeah. three years never mind a few months <laughs> it's, it's crackers isn't it I, I, we, we all were waiting like hours for the club to put something out about this because it broke through the press obviously first and we all knew it was coming and then you go to the club's homepage, and i'm sat refreshing and the the main story was a big picture of tony mowbray Saying get well soon, Tony, and obviously we also hope he gets well very soon. Um, but right next to it, once the news did filter through, was a picture of Mike Dodds. It's in mm. club statement: Mike Dodds appointed interim head coach. Not yeah. Michael Beals left the club, but Mike Dodds has taken <laughs> who, charge. Who? It's, it's, it's who's this it's Mike Beal fella? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's an epic cover up, really. Uh, they kind of just shoehorned a little bit about Michael Beal in there, and <laughs> now, uh, nah, but the actual statement from the club. I mean, again, Sunday FC has appointed Mike Dodds as the club's interim head coach. Dodds will lead the first team until the end of the season and replaces, it should say replaces, so somebody didn't proofread this uh, this statement, but says, and replace Michael Beale, who departs the stadium light with immediate effect. A member of the club's coaching team since 2021, Dodds took charge of the Black Cats earlier this campaign and guided them to back-to-back wins in the championship. And then there's a paragraph from Christian Speakman where... Again, we haven't really addressed what the crack is with, with Beale, But he says, we are disappointed that Michael is leaving Sunday FC, so we know he's leaving at least. Uh, our desire is to improve, and unfortunately that hasn't been evident. As such, we take full accountability and feel that acting decisively is in the best interest of the club. This has been a difficult few months for Michael, who leaves with our best wishes for the future. Our focus is now on the players and supporting Mike Dodds, in the remaining games to ensure we achieve the highest possible league finish. We will be updating our supporters further as and when significant developments are made. So he's gone. We don't know, like I say, whether it was a mutual decision, whether he's walked, whether they've sacked him. I'm sure it'll come out in the wash. 
the rumours bounding about started. Me and you were recording the match review and it was already out there. And I kind of took a decision not to talk about it because I thought if something is going to happen, then it could date what we're about to talk about. And, and you know, it, it was mooted and then it kind of went quiet and people were saying it wasn't happening and the rumours stopped. And then all of a sudden it just ramped up again and it was out there that he'd left. From what we've heard, the players were told that they shouldn't come in for training, which was kind of when they realised what was going on with all the rumours kicking about. But yeah, we're very, the, the detail's very thin on the ground, but let's get into it. Are you shocked? I mean, a lot of people aren't shocked. Um, before we talk about the whys and what and, and all the rest of it, are you, were you shocked that this has come about now? Well, I am. I am. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that they've taken a decision, well, before the end of the season, really. We've, we've talked about it on, on previous pods. And I thought they were basically going to get to the end of the season and then and then take stock there. But one caveat I did mention, and I, I mentioned this a good few weeks back now, that the only way they would take action and they would do something about it was obviously if we just went on a free fall down the league and we just, you know, we we were kind of losing four, five, six off the bounce and we went on a, on a run like that and couldn't get out of it. Clearly, they were going to take action then. But the other thing I mentioned weeks ago was that if it had just become that toxic on the training ground and the atmosphere was such that they had to do something about it, then those were the only two scenarios that I saw where they would actually pull the plug and, and not wait until the summer. Because we've been talking about our form and I've been talking about it in recent weeks being a continuation of what was happening rather than a deterioration. I don't think just in terms of points, you know, we've suddenly completely dropped off a cliff in that sense. I mean, I was working it out just before we started uh, with with some, you checking my math there, Gab, but we're t- <laughs> I was talking about um, like the 11 games I've had so far, we're talking 14 points out of 33. You know, you put that across the season, you know, it's roughly kind of 60 odd points. That gives you a top half finish, or it certainly did last season when we're looking at the table, you know, finished on 69 points last season. That would have given you 62 points out of 44. So look, you know, the, the form wasn't ridiculously bad. So you take that out of the equation, you're left with possible feedback from the training ground, whether it's from the coaching mm. staff, whether it's from Dodds, whether it's from Dodds and Proctor and the coaching team. Because in theory, the way we're working with the coaching staff staying in place for whoever's in charge, that coaching staff is providing feedback to Speakman and saying, or oh, it's working well, or you know, or it's not working well. Because if Speakman's got faith in them, and they're the ones almost providing analysis on whoever the head coach is, in a sense, and mm-hmm. providing feedback on to Speakman on kind of what the atmosphere is like in and around uh, the training ground. And the, we had the whole Hume thing, and it, let's let's hope the review the, the review with the Birmingham game might go out that we did that we talked about. Um, <laughs> but you know, but but that that was that was just such a strange thing. And then from to come out afterwards and talk you know talk openly about that him and Trey Hume the, like kind of it's he's one of the closest relationships he's got within the squad to go over the top in in, in talking about that after a, an incident like that kind of he had to be telling the truth now if the feedbacks come back saying you know he's gone out in public and said everything's fine and actually things aren't fine in the background on the training ground and that's what Christian Speakman's getting back then that's it. I mean, basically, that that's the decision made, isn't it? He has to do something about it because if it gets to the point where 
and we can get into we'll get into the football inside in a minute but you can't really drag that back I mean you know if you've kind of completely lost the dressing room I mean how long does that take what have you got to do but that is my assumption because like I said you can't do it on form they might have looked at the data I mean it's interesting actually I was I was thinking about the the new season of Sunderland Till I Die yeah Mm-hmm. when Kirill was, you know, saying that they looked at stuff with Lee Johnson and they just thought they're not getting promoted. Now, if the data's come into it, that might be another factor, but I'm not sure that that would be enough at this point because it's, has it been long enough? You know, Mike Bale could easily turn around and say, well, hang on, I haven't really kind of put my stamp on this team yet, which would be a fair comment. So my feeling is that it's come from the atmosphere, it's come from the players, it's possibly come from the coaching staff. And th- there's just been a big wave of it's not working going up to Christian Speakman and they've, they've pulled the trigger. Yeah, well, Fraser Gillen, a reporter from Team Talk, tweeted, Sunderland's players lost confidence in the methods used by Michael Beale during his 12-game tenure and some had a difficult relationship with the coach, according to sources. I mean, that's the conclusion I'm coming to and you, you just went over it there, but... You've got to kind of think that whatever happened in the fallout with whatever went on with Hume back in the dressing room after the game, you've got to think that that must have had something to do with it. And you could be just reading too much into this, but the amount of first teamers who liked the post about Beal leaving on Instagram, I mean, we're talking people who played plenty of games under him, Job, Burstow, I think um, Ellis Taylor was in there, who's obviously in the Youngins, Jensen Sealt. Some of the ex-players were liking the post. The likes of Gooch, who will still talk to people at the training ground and, and in the squad. Ian Hart even liked it, who's Clark's agent. You, I could be reading too much into that, but for them to be going on social media and brazenly liking a post about Dodds taking over and Beal leaving, something's not quite right. And I agree with you. The form isn't brilliant. Like it, At the minute, it's, it's not going to get you promoted, probably. But... It wasn't horrific to the point no. where you're like left without any choice. Like a week ago, we were sat talking about things potentially looking up after we we'd, we'd won the game at the weekend before before the midweek against Huddersfield, seven points and nine. We were talking pretty optimistically about what could come, and it didn't work out. And we had a bad week. We had a bad game at, at Huddersfield. Played even worse in that second half at Birmingham. That coupled with whatever went on with Hume, whether you were. You've got to take it at face value, but Beal reckons he didn't see him. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that. But it must have caused hell on. That's the only thing I can assume is that this has all been building up. The players have kind of been like, I'm not having this guy. And this has been the first big incident, public incident, where it's kind of bubbled over, maybe. And I think you're right. I think they, they've they took a view on it and went, we need to cut our losses because this is only getting worse. And we'll get into it we'll get into the football stuff but I do think that you know I hold no ill will towards Michael Beale I think yeah. I think you know he, he took the job and I don't blame him for taking it but let's be honest he shouldn't have, they shouldn't have given him the job in the first place because I just don't know whether he was necessarily the right guy right at the start of this process the negativity I've never ever seen it no. like that I've never seen that kind of reaction he was up against it from the minute he walked through the door and you've got to look back after 12 games, nine weeks, he's gone. It wasn't worth it. It's caused so much unrest, so much bad feeling. It's been hell the last nine weeks, to be honest, to be a Sunderland fan. I've hated it. 
and you know this because I talk about it quite a lot privately, but yeah. I've hated it. I've hated just everything about the the day to day reaction to every little bit of news coming in, in and out of the club, and it's all fostered from this decision. And they've cut their losses now, but and and I'm a big big fan of everything that Speakman's done and everything Kirill's trying to do with the club, but they got this wrong, and the next appointment has to be spot on because. A lot of people who have previously sat back and went, you know, I like everything about what they're doing or, or they think they're doing things the right way, are kind of looking at it and going, this was avoidable. Why did we do it? And everyone makes mistakes, but the next appointment's got to be got to be your good one. And to be fair to them, they've took the decision to wait until the summer and I kind of get it because if we rush into it again, if we do it now, if we appointed somebody else in the next two weeks, whoever that may be, and it's the wrong appointment again, by the summer, people are going to be just totally out of favour with everything we're trying to do. And they've curried so much good favour because they've done a lot of good. So the next appointment's got to be spot on. But this whole process has been hell. Torture to be a son and fan. And I'm sure most people listening will feel the same who've sat back and just gawped at like the, the ridiculousness of everything. It's just... I mean, I'm glad. I'm I'm kind of glad it's over, but not because of him, just because of the situation that's been created and the mess that. We're, and we're still in a mess, by the way. I mean, we've got a horrible run of games coming up. Mike Dodds has got to, got to try and get us back on track. And I'm sure if he has a few bad results, people will be on his case. Um, <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> but, but you know, like I'm just. I don't know how to feel. Me and you were talking about this before we came on. Yeah. And and I, and I can't really put my finger on it. I'm just disappointed by everything. Let me let me ask you a question because you when you were talking there, I was thinking because you said they've got this badly, badly wrong in terms of the Mike Bale appointment, right? Now they've appointed a, someone who's coached a top side. He's been manager of Rangers, huge club. All right, it it didn't go fantastically well up there. Worked with Steven Gerrard. He worked with he's worked with top managers. He's been like I said, he's been in the academies all all across the country. Which means you know we're talking about we've got a squad full of young players. It seemed to make some sort of sense somewhere. And I've just I've said before in these pods that it wasn't my first choice. It wasn't even in my thinking. <laughs> it wasn't if I'd wrote a list out, he wouldn't have been on there just because I didn't even think about him. But when he was appointed, I thought, oh wait, you know, let's see how it goes. Give them the benefit yeah. of the doubt, but yeah, just come back to the point where, you know, there is a possibility that that toxic atmosphere you were talking about, that even happened before a ball was kicked, in some ways might have actually, even if it's just a small amount, might have actually influenced the the the, the events that followed, even if it was just yeah. a small bit, because like I said, it was just bizarre that even before a ball was kicked, which I didn't really get. If it was it was kind of that toxic because he hadn't even done anything at that point. No, I, thought, I, was, well, I was with you. By the way, I was with you there. You know, I, I was I was happy for for him to have a chance, but a lot of people weren't. But to come back to that question, I was going to ask you because you said they got it badly wrong, and I've already we've already kind of said that in terms of the points total or what he was getting points. All right, it might have dipped a little bit, but we're we're talking the top half finish still, even if you you took that eleven league games that he had over the course of a of a season. So. What for you did they get badly wrong? So did they get it wrong in terms of his character? I mean, because I didn't see that 
reaction coming from Sunderland fans that when he was appointed, everyone was so against him, or at least a big chunk of Sunderland fans were against him. Because I didn't quite understand it, because I had now against a fella. It's not like he'd, you know, managed the mags and said he hated Sunderland or something like that. You know, where, oh, you're like, you're like, hang on, I've got something against this fella from the off. I had not didn't have anything against him. But you're saying they got it badly wrong. So what did they get wrong? Because, like I said, was it the character of the fella? Was it his mm. style of football? Which, I, again, I said earlier, I don't think he had a chance to put his stamp on it. I mean, you, you said you made the statement they got it badly wrong. So in what way did they get it badly wrong? I think that this is a tough one because this goes against what I kind of believe. But the wave of just relentless negativity that this rumour at the start was met with indicated to me that it was going to be tough no matter what he did. Now, for Beal to be a success at Sunderland, I genuinely believe he would have had to have won nearly every game because, mm. and I remember saying this right back when he got appointed, even when we draw games now, it's going to be back to where we were. It's going to be everybody totally over-evaluating every little thing about everything we're doing. Kind of sounds like what I'm doing is blaming people here, but I'm not. I'm just saying, like, that level of negativity which was felt indicated that this was never going to work. And and I just kind of look at it and think, like, we shouldn't make big decisions based on the fans. Exactly. But, but... <laughs> But look where we are after nine weeks. Like, and I wrote about this in my piece on the site today. There's a sense of inevitability about this. And and it kind of felt like a week or so ago, I was feel, thinking, oh, you know, we've picked up a few good results. And there was that little moment between him and the fans with his niece where it kind of just felt like things were connecting. But at the back of my mind, I was like, if we lose either of these games coming up, that's not going to count for anything. You know, it's going to go. and. Oh, I don't know. But at the same time, but at the same time, right? That might not have been the, the sole reason why he lost his job. Because we've just talked about it, the yeah. Th- yeah. the disconnect between him and the players. But the the thing that's not really been talked about is when we're talking about the negativity which the appointment was, was surrounded with, I know for a fact the players read and see and hear everything. And whether it's right or not, that will have had an effect. You know, you've got local. I'm not, and I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm not picking these boys out on purpose, but the local lads. So you look at someone like Dan Neal, for instance, mainstay in the team, family full of Sunderland fans who go to all the games. He's getting exactly this, you know, the the fans. So all the stuff we've heard about Beal, all the the criticism, the picking out this, that, and the other about him, the stuff that came before with Rangers and whatever else, like the players will be getting this all the time because the the local lads who who know people and. That filters through. It'll be going through the... I actually believe, given how popular Mowbray was with the players, I believe they'll have had that feeling when he was walking in, like, what the fuck's going on here? Mm. Like, we like Tony, and this guy's coming in, and nobody wants him. And it's just that feeling. It it will have been there. To me, if they've sacked him based on some, you know, a, a multitude of things, but if the players aren't having him, I just think that feeling yeah. must have been there from day dot. Like the the they must have known, particularly the coaches, the likes of Proctor and Dodds, who were a little bit closer to the players. They must have known like there was a feeling about Beal that it just wasn't gonna work. And you know what it's like if the players don't buy in fully, then you you're screwed either way, aren't you? Because the you need them to run through, you need them to be in the trenches for you. And like 
in particular, the last two performances have indicated that basically, if the play, if the players are bought into a manager, they've got his back. You know, he's got their back in the tough games where you have to grind results out, and everyone has to be together. You get results, and the Huddersfield and Birmingham performances indicated to me that there's something missing there in that regard. And I just think this is a lot of things which have come together, but all of it stems from that initial negativity. If he came in and people were like, oh, this top coach is coming in who's worked for Liverpool, worked for Chelsea, worked for Sao Paulo, can speak Portuguese. He was the assistant at Rangers when they won the league. If that had been the version of Beal we'd got, the version that went to maybe QPR, then it would have been a different atmosphere. But he left QPR under a bit of a cloud, went to Rangers and their fans hated him. And it just brought this wave. It, he was coming basically on a downward to us. He wasn't a manager on an upward curve. He was coming on the down. And I just think that that was, that was there. That was obvious. And as much as I wanted it to work for him, I'm not sure it was ever going to. I was, I, I, I'm convinced, in fact, that it was never, ever going to work. And I think, we were all, I, I think even the, those of us who really wanted it to work must hold our hands up and say that was the case. I think. So what what you're saying is though, when I asked the original question was what did they get so wrong? You're saying that they didn't react to that initial reaction to Mike Bale from the fans, where when the name came out, the reaction mm. was so negative that actually you're saying at that point they should have taken that into account and thought twice about it. Because then you then you're talking almost like when they're looking at a criteria for the next manager in the summer, it's almost like oh wait we have to run it past the fans first. I know what you mean, and I agree. That's what I said before. It goes against the way I feel, but I just I don't know. It's you. I can't put my finger on it because I just think that, like I've said repeatedly, this just felt inevitable, and maybe not as quick as this, but when you've got people literally who do not want you through the door. Whether they'd hung on to the summer or not, it would have just been another three, four months of this. The relentlessness, every, the overreaction, every result, you know, just everything. I, I, it would have been a content. I reckon that's what it is in the end. They've just went like, this is not going to get any better. It's just going to be like this till the summer. Let's cut the losses. Put Dodds in charge. You people actually seem to like a little bit. The players actually like Dodds and they respect them. And... <sighs> There's so much to this, isn't there? Like I'm, yeah. I'm going around in circles here, but I think ultimately the important thing was something to do with the players. We don't know what that was, and we're purely speculating here. But if the players weren't having him, then oh, yeah. you know he's a dead man walking, wasn't he? Yeah. Then, like, like I said, I mean, go, I go back to that point. I'm, I'm convinced that that's the reason we've, we've done what we've done. We've made the change because, like, like I said, the form's not bad enough. I mean, I remember. You know, we, we talk. We look back at managers. I remember kind of Terry Butcher on a run of, you know, I think it was like twelve without a win or something like that. And then you know what's going to happen because it's you know the results aren't coming. But it's it's interesting we're talking about that because I mean I remember I was clutching at straws with uh, with Phil Parkinson, like trying to t- trying desperately in my mind to give him a chance because the the day he was appointed, I was like, that's not going to work. Phil Parkinson isn't just isn't going to work at Sunderland, and I remember kind of biting my tongue for 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 ages, just thinking, right, I've just got you know, you've got to give him a chance, see how he does, and every little thing, I was like, oh well, you know, I've got I've got to take the positives from that, but it is tough, you know, when sometimes you just get a feeling about a manager that 
it isn't going to work. But, you know, mm-hmm. you've just, you know, you've got to hope he gets the results because, you know, like, any manager could come in and, and do the business. But, and it's funny because we talked just after he was appointed. And I remember saying that in an ideal world, well, maybe because I'm, I don't know, I don't, I don't like saying I'm a bit older, but, you know, maybe because I've seen more managers, I'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> I, I like, I prefer I prefer the type of character, you know, going back to your Dennis Smiths and your Peter Reeds and your Mick McCarthy's and and you can stick Roy Keane in that where you know the wear of the heart and the sh- on the sleeve, you know, and you know where you you stand with them and the fans just get behind them because they're a, you know they're a bit angry about stuff and you know that they're going to fight for the team. But like I said, maybe maybe it was just some characters just don't fit at Sunderland. It might just be a case of that because. Like I said, with this one, I mean, like I said, I, I was like a bit like that with Parkinson. This appointment, I wasn't like that, but I could see some people were. But maybe it's just a thing with clubs. You know, you know. I always remember John Ficklin talked about Peter Reid talking about Sunderland. And Peter Reid always, he said, uh, Peter Reid always described Sunderland um, as a proper football club. And maybe it's just that, you know, with the way the fans are with that, that we support them in a certain way that, only certain characters can get away with stuff and like mm-hmm. we only give certain characters enough leeway to to make a few mistakes there might be something in that i think i think you're right because you, you started off comparing the the numbers to last year and they're mm. not hugely different but Mowbray no. connected with people in a way that Bill can't he just and he had Ahmad can't <laughs> and he had Ahmad yeah well and that i mean but <laughs> He can, but he did in terms of the way he could get his message across. He connected with people. I didn't always like that. I didn't always like the way he spoke. I thought he used to say things which, had he not said it in a Teesside accent, <laughs> you know, with a bit of a jovial tone about him, might have got him into trouble. Like, the, the you know, we, we went over tons on this pod even earlier this season with the, the way he used to talk about Hamir and players like that. Like, mm. He got away with some things, and I do think it was because people just liked him and he connected with us. And Beale, you know, there was a bit of a thing made about the. It's not because he's a Cockney, because there's plenty of Cockneys who are plain speaking people, and I just don't think he was like that. Not 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 really very relatable. He would sit in front mm. of the camera, and I could see this mask, this guard going up. Which I think this was just a thing when he was sat. Maybe it's the inexperience of of being a manager. You know, he's spent. God knows, at twenty odd years or whatever it's been as a as a coach on the training pitch, which is where all the praises came for Beale. None of it yeah. came from his his man management or his, you know, the way he relates to the press or or all these things. It came from his experience as a coach. Maybe they were hoping that that would trump all. Like he would just be able to get so much more from these players that the evidence would be unavoidable on the pitch that you would see players improving. At a rate where you're like, you know, whatever the way he talks doesn't matter because you can't deny the job he's doing. Yeah. And and there's been a just to come onto that a little bit because we haven't really talked about it, but on the play style and things like that, you know, we've talked about it again, something we talked about quite a lot recently. He has made us, you know, maybe a bit more ugly to watch. We went from playing such a lovely brand of football at times under Mowbray, not always, but mostly we played nice stuff. And he kind of took us back a little bit try to get the defenders playing a bit more like defenders. I think the midfield, he tried to make it more structured. Whether that worked, I don't know. He tried to get a striker into the team, which 
to varying degrees worked. I think it was what three goals from twelve or thirteen games, which you know isn't brilliant, but it's an improvement on what came before. Jack Clark's form dramatically improved under Beal, which if you look and that's not just me saying it. If you look at the numbers before Beal and after Beal, Clark has been brilliant. Whether you can credit Beal with that, I don't know, but that is the case. But it's unavoidable that we weren't as easy on the eye, and I thought we weren't as pleasant to watch. And I think what people who were doubting and were looking, waiting, waiting for was to like turn up to a game and go, bloody hell, you can see the difference there, or see this team playing teams off the park again, but doing it with a bit of panache at the top end, like not just playing teams off the park, finishing off chances. And really, whether this has been enough of a sample size to be able to fairly say he was able to do that or not, I don't know. But I think given the way he was trying to get us to play, that was never likely because he was trying to make us a little bit more functional in ways like wingers getting the ball into the box, fullbacks getting crosses into the box, trying to get a striker into the game. Like I said before, defenders not flying out of position to jump in the midfield and things, but play like defenders. I don't know whether he was ever going to play a style of football which was as attractive as we played under Mowbray, which is yet another reason why people would, probably wouldn't take him. And I think we were we were told about that when he with his Rangers team that maybe didn't play the best football, but it, it got results up in Scotland at least. Mm. So like there's that side of it too, is that I can pick out a couple of little things, like the main one being Clark's form being a lot better under him. But other than that, it wasn't it wasn't exciting to watch, really. We, even in the games we won, it was like 20 or 30 minutes of good football rather than a, a full end-to-end performance where we played really well. And I don't know whether over the... Maybe they've looked at it and went, over the longer term, the football maybe wasn't what they wanted as well. That could have been it. Yeah, well, look, I, I think it is an interesting one because I think he's... Um, I think in some ways... And, and you touched on it a little bit you, when you were talking about Mowbray being a manager that the players liked playing for. But how many times did the players come out after games and they talked about the way that, that Tony Mowbray coached, where he allowed them to have the freedom in the final third to do what they wanted to do. Like he didn't coach them in the attacking sense. He didn't say these are the patterns of play. He just thought, I've got a great bunch of players. Just go and play, enjoy yourself. And that was that was Tony Mowbray's kind of way of kind of dealing with the attacking side of the, of the, of the team. He, there was no structure. He just said, you know, let let the players play and uh, let them do their thing. And I think I think Mike Beale, and again, I'm I'm just kind of just basing it on how we've played. But this, like you said, he has made them. He has made us more functional and more practical. But it seems to be with a less of a smile on our face while we're doing it. And mm. you, you see that I, I think he's tried to change a little bit too much too quickly in some ways and. You know, so you, you should really take into account who you're following. Because if you're following somebody who's really popular and he had that, you know, he let the players have all this freedom, if you suddenly take that away and pull the rug from under the players, you're going to get a reaction where the players go, oh, hang on a minute, I was enjoying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you've just yeah. stopped it in the, the space of a few weeks. Hang on a minute. Well, it's a, it's a and, really good point, that. Because if you look at the way we're playing, I was talking about this after the Birmingham game, that I think now that he's, he's tried to get us he tried to get us that we get the ball forward quicker but but what that means was like you saw under Tony Mowbray where we kept the ball and we were very possession based we had control in most games where even games where we got beat you'd see that we had almost 60% possession where we kept kept control of the football 
but you always felt in most games that we we controlled the game and we how many times did we used to say it's down to us it's down to us how we play and whether we carve the opposition open because we control teams i think we lost that a little bit by trying to get the ball forward too quickly a little bit and that meant whoever that kind of lone strike has been whether it's been you know rusin or whether it's been burst or or whoever has found themselves when the ball's played forward there's nobody within 30 yards of them and and that's been a big issue recently but let's not let's not kind of you know let's go back to this thing where you know that the style of football didn't again didn't kind of drop off a cliff on the appointment of Mike Bale I think he, he tried to change things and I, I you know some certainly the defensive shape I think worked to some extent I think that was at the sacrifice he sacrificed a lot going forward but like this season hasn't been fantastic kind of football and wise generally from the off like we haven't been we haven't been brilliant we haven't been I don't think we've been as good as last season in terms of style of play um I think Tony Mowbray was struggling with that because um he was struggling with the with the lads were brought in to play up front he was trying to find a solution to that and he didn't come up with it and and Mike Bale going the other way a little bit more defensive than Mowbray was he I think he had an even harder time finding a solution than, than, than Mowbray did. So, you know, at the start of the season, I remember even on the op- well on the opening day of the season, Ipswich, I think we controlled that game in the way that we did last season. I think, we, you know, and you go back to the Southampton home game, had a bit of a swagger and the, the players were enjoying themselves. I think that was going to become less of a thing under Bale, that, that, that type of game where the players just expressed themselves. But but again, it's just my impression of, of watching the team change over the last three months. But... Like I said, all I'm not negative about all of the changes he brought in. Like I said, making us, we, we used to say that you know part of our problem was we were great going forward and we had all this freedom. Yet you know we kept getting caught on the break and we kept getting caught because we were too gung ho at times. He tried to fix that, but then he gave himself a few other problems. But but like I said, yeah. it's only been it's only been three months and. You know, it's one of those things where you fix one thing. Oh, hang on, you've got another little issue, right? Let's fix that one. Who knows if he would have fixed or uh, you know, you know, come up with something, come up with some solutions before the end of the season? We'll never know now. But yes, so maybe there's an element of the players responding to having that kind of freedom taken away from them a little bit and being more structured. We'll find out because I. But the other thing is, you go back to the Leeds home game. And how much the players responded to that game plan that we played against Leeds, where Dodds was like, let's keep it tight, let's get behind the ball. And and the players responded to that, and they seemed like they enjoyed that game, where actually we had less of the ball at home, which yeah. is a bit of a rare thing. Yeah, well, some final thoughts on, on the whole situation then, and Beal leaving <laughs> before we head off. Chris, just where do we go from here then? What what? Well, give it, is give it, it Dodsey till the end of the season. <laughs> give it Dodsey mm. till the end of the season, basically, you <laughs> know. But, but, but actually, they've they've put themselves in a position where they almost can't appoint another manager this season because it's it's like mm. no very few people who we might want to take the job in a serious fashion are going to jump in and go. Oh well, actually, they've had two permanent managers and they've had a and a. They've had um, a caretaker who's now caretaker for a second time. And they've had, so that's, you know, three or four changes in the same season. And you haven't got a window. You haven't got a January window to, to help yourself. So I I just don't think, I think they're going to give themselves time now. And I think this season, and, and our squad, look, we're talking about, 
finishing mid table, but I think that's where our squad is. And that that's that's the kind of level of our squad. I think actually playoffs this season because you've got the top four already pretty much kind of locked in. I, I think the playoffs are probably a step too far. Um, that you know, I think I think it's a harder league this year. And uh, what you know, changing managers twice, it'll be a, a minor miracle if we make it into fifth or sixth this season. Um, but yeah, so I, I think they've bought themselves a bit of time. Like you said, it's been a strange three months. And like I said, I've I, I agree with you. I've got nothing against Bale, but part like a small part of us is is relieved in a way, not because I, I was desperate to get rid of Bale, just because like having the having the fan base split is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I think you know it's maybe part of their thinking just to try and get pull the club back together a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, so so we've got Dodge till the end of the season. We'll wait and see what they do. But I'm I'm expecting and but this is the thing I'm talking about those characters like like I'd prefer for your McCarthy's and your Smiths and Reeds and Allardyce and all that sort of stuff. But with the way we're going, it's going to be another head coach type who who probably talks the same language as Mike Bale. <laughs> You know, kind of mm. coming out, and you know, maybe kind of Lee Johnson type. You know, coming out with all that sort of spiel, um, that might rub people up the wrong way. But we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm half expecting someone from from Europe somewhere, There's someone we've never heard of, just from out there. Well, they've bought themselves some time, so it's Mike Dodds till the end of the season, isn't it? So we'll just crack on from here. But I'm just disappointed by it all, and it's been a mess. And I'm with you. There's a part of us which is just relieved it's over now because at least we can draw a line in the sand and, and crack on with Dodds and George, who we know at least some of the players respect and that, that might go a long way between now and the end of the season. But what you've effectively just said is we might as well end the season now because it's basically over for us, isn't it? We're not going to be competing for anything based on the way things are sort of trending. But we're not. Like you look at you look at what's happening in the Premier League this season and the 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 three who went up and what's happening with them and you you're thinking with the way you know with the way we are at the moment, would you want mm. to scrape through? Would you want to scrape through and get promoted? I mean, yeah. all right, you might make a might make a bit of money that we might go go up and down. You know, we might come straight back down with a bit more money, but you know, I, I don't know. There's there's an element of really kind of if someone asked you the question. Are you desperate to get promoted this season? I'd have a think about it. Yeah, well, you know what's going to happen now, don't you? Mike Dodds is going to lead us to the playoff final. It's going to be crackers. <laughs> it, I've I've often talked about the Sunderland chaos theory, and it's never boring being 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 a Sunderland fan. Something mad's we aren't going to have a boring season. Something else mad is going to happen between now and and May. So strap in, everybody. But we'll uh, we'll be here to react to whatever happens. So cheers, Chris. Thanks, mate. <laughs> no bother. You've just given us left us with that thought to think about. <laughs> cheers, mate. Uh, get your hotels for Wembley booked. Uh, cheers <laughs> to the listeners. Thanks very much for joining us. But we might have a preview before the weekend. We'll see if we've got the energy to do it. Uh, cheers, everyone. Thanks, and we'll catch you later. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.